Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. It's Fantasy Sports Today. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today, our second hour of the show here for March 3rd, 2020. Craig Mish along with Frank Stample as we got you till 1 o'clock, and we've been previewing the Toronto Blue Jays and uh, kind of talking about some of the fantasy-relevant players on their squad this year. Really an interesting team because they do have a lot of offensive firepower. It's the pitching that continues to be an issue for them for sure. Uh, but, Frank, recapping the top stories around baseball today, as you mentioned, in an hour from now, the Astros are going to take on the St. Louis Cardinals are going to do it without Jordan Alvarez, who was scratched with some sort of knee issue, and the guy doesn't even play the field, so hopefully this is nothing serious. But I think that from our perspective, it is all about what's going on with the Yankees again this year. They've already lost a couple of key players at the start of the season on the pitching staff. Giancarlo Stanton, questionable at the very least for opening day, and is not doing any baseball activity, so his opening day is in question. And I think that in the next few days, we're going to probably get some news on Aaron Judge that nobody wants to hear. And that could be the uh, the most unfortunate one of them all. Yeah, unfortunately, I agree with you here, Craig. I'm worried about Aaron Judge. Normally, when we see teams that are so hush-hush with injuries, they're either hiding something or they're undergoing further tests uh, because there is a significant injury going on right now. And we've heard today, Brian Cashman said he doesn't expect Aaron Judge to be ready for opening day. Same thing with Giancarlo Stanton. We already knew about that. Let's just stick in the American League East. Chris Sale dealing with an elbow injury now, going for an MRI. And they're going to send those results to Dr. James. Andrews. We remember that last year he met with Dr. James Andrews because of an elbow injury and all along they said he's not going to be ready to start on opening day because of a flu that set him back. Right. I didn't know that a flu can cause Tommy John surgery uh, there, Craig Mish. Yeah, uh, it can't, but I got to tell you that the flu is no joke whatsoever and I'm not a doctor. I would never give anybody any advice, but after seeing what my son has gone through over the last week, and we are, let's see, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, two, almost seven days into this thing, I mean, it is no joke, man, no joke. And, uh, you know, Alex Bregman had the flu, and Jose Altuve has the flu, and it's like all of these guys around baseball, it seems like this is a heavy sickness season, not to mention everything we're dealing with uh, with the coronavirus as well. Wait for another day. All right, coming up next, we got a Sports Grid update, and then Frank and I are going to actually take a look at the uh, home run props for 2020 for some of the top players on the Jays. We'll pick over or under. That's coming up next right here on Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Well, Craig and Frank, as just mentioned, breaking over the last hour, MLB.com's Ian Brown, along with many other beat reporters, Chris Sale experienced soreness in his elbow after live batting practice. He did have an MRI. Those results will be sent to Dr. James Andrews. The judge potentially benched. Updates for two Yankee stars. Aaron Judge is without a specific timetable to return. With what is now being deemed a pectoral issue, Judge is expected to miss opening day. Yankees general manager Brian Cashman said Tuesday that while opening day is unrealistic for Giancarlo Stanton, they expect him back at some point in April. Stanton suffered a grade one strain of his right calf last week. 
Jordan Alvarez of the Astros was scratched from Tuesday's Grapefruit League lineup due to knee soreness. Dusty Baker saying this is just a cautionary move. Steven Matz was sent home from Mets camp on Tuesday due to illness. Matz will skip his scheduled bullpen, but the Mets will have him on tap for Friday. Edwin Encarnacion has returned to starting lineup Tuesday. He missed a few days due to a minor back issue. Cody Bellinger was scratched from Monday's Cactus League lineup due to side discomfort. The Dodgers are saying that is a precautionary move as well. According to Mike Puma and Ken Davidoff of the New York Post, the sick Steven Matz may be sick over a potential trade. It looks like the Mets are listening to potential overtures from the Yankees with Miguel and Duhar as a player of interest. In the NBA for tonight, Jason Tatum is doubtful to play. He is sick. Hornets guard Devontae Graham is currently doubtful. He has left ankle soreness. And Anthony Davis remains questionable for the Lakers tonight. In the NFL, ESPN's Jenna Lane reports the Cowboys are expected to franchise tag Dak Prescott. The window for a long-term deal to get done is closing rapidly as the franchise tag window closes on March 10th. I'm Dan Strapper, and this has been your Sports Grid News Update. All right, thanks very much, Dan. And we'll check in with Dan coming up in the next hour, see if there's uh, any other update with that. Uh, waiting on MRI results, of course, of uh, Chris Sale. Uh, man, another pitcher, another guy going down. Like it's just keeping up with the amount of injuries. And and when we do these shows, like I like starting off with the here's the good news, here's the extension, here's the guy that hit two home runs in a spring game. But it's like overshadowed by all of these injuries. And I, and I think in general we have a lot in spring training every year. We just forget how many there are. But it does feel like there are quite a few more this year to the bigger name players. And so. Uh, out of the top 50 picks in the draft, I think we're already talking about four or five. And that's that's a big number. That means that basically, uh, if you did a draft in February in a 12-team league, almost half of the league had at least one of these players that has something significant happening to them. Okay, so uh, the Blue Jays in 2020, um, their, uh, their home run props came out about a month ago. And these haven't shifted all that much. I took a look at it. And uh, their top five players, Frank, for home runs... Uh, clearly, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is the top guy, but uh, let's take a look at all five of their over-unders for the 2020 season. Let's see if we can go uh, over-under each way. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is sitting at 27.5, Randall Grichuk at 23.5, uh, Yulieski Gurriel Jr. at 19.5, uh, Bo Bichette at 17.5, and Kevin Biggio at 17.5. Yeah, let's start with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., obviously the biggest name here with the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, the problem for him is that he hits the ball on the ground too much, Craig, so he's got to raise that launch angle a little bit. And I've seen reports that say, you know, obviously he's in better shape this upcoming season, and he does plan to raise that launch angle a little bit. He hit a home run on Sunday that was just a frozen rope to the outfield. Uh, the guy has incredible power, incredible hand speed as well. There's no doubt about it. 27 and a half. Man, this is, a, this is a good number. I would probably take the slight under, but I wouldn't actually bet it myself because just on the off chance that he goes nuclear this year and, and just goes absolutely off, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if he winds up hitting 300, hits 30 home runs, has this monster year uh, where we're talking about him as a potential top-round pick uh, next season. So it's a stay away for me, but if I had to guess, I would probably lean with the slight under until I actually see that improvement to the launch angle myself, Craig. Yeah, and I, and I think that that's also something to look at. And, you know, some of these guys especially, it's also understanding what the uh, the baseball may uh, be as well. But, uh, you know, for me, the one curious one, no doubt, is uh, is taking a look at Gurriel's. I mean, we talked about him earlier on the show, and him sitting at 19 and a half home runs, 
uh, you know, a breakout season from him would be, you know, 20, 21, 22. And I think that that is somewhat reasonable. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, Guerrero's, I probably would go under the 27 and a half if I had the choice. And uh, and Biggio's probably go under as well, in my opinion. But, uh, you know, Guerrero is like the lightning rod for a lot of conversations. Some people feel like he's going to have a huge season, hit 30. Some people feel like this number is spot on. Yeah, when it comes to Lourdes Gurriel, I like taking the over on that one. I mean, he had 20 home runs last year in 84 games. Now his number is 19 and a half. I understand there could be a lot of volatility involved with this because he dealt with injuries last year. So you have to worry about that this upcoming season. And he actually got demoted last season. So that's something that's in the back of your mind as well when it comes to Lourdes Gurriel. So normally when I think you attack these props, you want something with maybe a closer range of outcomes, not as much volatility. But I do like the over here and the projection systems are over on Fangraphs, all have Lourdes Gurriel between 25 and 27 home runs. So it's a very clear over for them as well. Uh, and when it comes to Randall Grichuk, you know, I understand that there are peaks and valleys with him. He's a better Roto player because at the end of the season, he's going to hit you your 25 home runs. And his number is at 23 and a half here, Craig. This is a number that he has cleared in three of the last four seasons. Last year, he had 31 home runs with the juice ball. The year before, 25. Back in 2016 with the Cardinals, in 132 games, he had 24 home runs. Remember last season, they gave this kid a contract extension, Randall Grichuk. So I think he's going to be in the lineup every single day. We know he has great power. Yes, there's peaks and valleys. There's going to be some inconsistencies. But I think at 23 and a half, that's a very easy over for me, Craig. Yeah, and uh, and look, I mean, Grichuk is one of those guys that has 35, 40 home run power. So, um, you know, we'll have to see if he ends up uh, getting there. Is there anyone else, uh, by the way, that we didn't include, um, you know, in this that you think that has a chance to, you know, bump on the scene and maybe hit more home runs than anyone on this list? I know Shaw a couple of years ago would have been in that category. If Talese was to get 500 plate appearances, Frank, I think that he could bust out with 20, 25 home runs for sure. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think a really good call on Roddy Telez. And I think, look, if Travis Shaw struggles, we could see Telez play into an everyday role once again or, or potentially be an everyday player from the get-go here as a designated hitter. And, you know, he was kind of pigeonholed into a platoon player last season. But when you look at the splits, he actually performed much better against left-handed pitching than he did against right-handed pitching. You know, someone who routinely had a good OBP throughout the minor leagues. He has a solid eye at the plate. Uh, and he is a bigger boy, so I think he does have some pop behind that bat. But it just comes down to playing time when it comes to Rowdy Telez. And, you know, another name you brought up earlier, Teoscar Hernandez. I think we've seen flashes, Craig, and he obviously is a great athlete. I think he's got some pop. I think he can make some noise on the base pass, but he just strikes out so much, consistently over 30% strikeout rate for Teoscar Hernandez. If he could just lower that down to 25% strikeout rate, then we're probably talking about a 250, 260 hitter. And if he strikes out less, they're probably going to play him more, more consistent playing time. Maybe you can get 30 home runs and 10 stolen bases out of Teoscar Hernandez. The problem is, I think he goes into these slumps and he strikes out a lot, and then he ends up losing playing time as a result. But I think, again, if everything were to play out right for him this upcoming season, I'm with you. I still think that there is massive upside for Teoscar Hernandez and maybe a name that you take late in your 15-team leagues as a, a bench outfielder or in an AL only as one of your fourth or fifth outfielders uh, because at least to start the season, Craig, I do think the playing time is going to be there for him uh, as long as he doesn't struggle early on. Yep, for sure. And, uh, and I'm curious to see because this is a team that has the kind of potential to hit a ton of home runs this year. Um, we mentioned five guys. They could have seven or eight guys with 20 home runs or more if things break right. 
We'll take a quick timeout on Fantasy Sports today here on Sports Grid. Coming up next, we'll dive into the Toronto Blue Jays season win total on FanDuel. Is it somewhere we want to go over or go under as we wrap up our discussion and our preview of the Blue Jays here on the show? You're watching Fantasy Sports today here on Sports Grid, and we'll be back right after this. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today. Straight ball, I get it very much. Curveball, that's our friend. Craig Mish and Frank Stanfall. You got to take fear. That's I offer to God. Wrong. And welcome back. It is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Frank here with you. And Frank is at the FanDuel Sportsbook in New Jersey. I'm in South Florida. Got you till 1 o'clock. I'll be live tomorrow at Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium. It's the Marlins and Orioles. So we'll have our team preview of uh, Team of the American League East. And then on Thursday, after we do some interviews, we'll bring those back to you and preview the Orioles on uh, on Thursday. And, of course, we'll go through as many teams as we possibly can as we get ready for opening day. What's going on on the uh, BFF show later today? What are you guys previewing, Frank? Later today, we have a shortstop preview, Craig, continuing down the line of our position previews. Going to break down our top 20 shortstops this upcoming season, give you some sleepers, some bust players that we're targeting at the position. We'll do all that later on today. The BFS at 3 p.m. with Greg Sussman and myself. All right, looking forward to it. And uh, safe travels into, uh, into New York. Are you, how, how are you getting to New York today? Any uh, travel issues? Uh, I haven't ordered the hot air balloon yet. I'm seeing okay. if uh, Mike Cardano's somewhere around here. I know he's upstairs having a meeting right now. Uh, but if I can, you know, get some kind of, uh, you know, some kind of transportation in, in the air to help me uh, to get back to New York City. No, nah, but seriously, I'm probably just going to take the bus. So okay. that's cool. the real answer. Cool. <laughs> uh, by the way, and listen, I mean, I, I don't know because, I mean, even though there's been some cases here in Florida, um, I'm not seeing it. But are people in the city, like, all over wearing masks and stuff like that? Like, I don't want to cause any panic. I'm just curious. Yep. Are people doing that? Yeah. Yeah, that's something that's already been happening here in New York. Uh, all over the trains, you're seeing people wearing masks right now. I haven't seen it much in New Jersey, but, uh, yeah, in New York, definitely. There was an, uh, a memo sent out from the uh, – I know you're, I'm not supposed to mention the team name – the Knicks, that the players are not supposed to touch uh, the fans' hands anymore in the crowd. So uh, everyone is trying to take the proper precautions here in the Northeast, Craig. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, let's, uh, let's dive into – the uh, season win total, as we wrap up our talk about the Toronto Blue Jays today, uh, we're looking at 75 and a half wins, Frank. 75 and a half wins for the Jays, which is a massive improvement over where they were last year. So they're factoring in some of the younger kids are up the whole season. They get better. They're factoring in, uh, you know, Hunjin Roo having a really good season. And so what I thought that we would do here on the show is kind of go over the best case scenario for the Jays. And the worst case scenario for the Jays, because Frank, in betting, what you have to do is you have to build narratives for both sides. And then you just basically have two columns and you weigh what's more possible than the other. So that's kind of how I make every bet. Like, give me the positives, give me the negatives, and then I'll make my educated decision. So, Frank, let's build the best case scenario, both of us, for the Jays. 
Let's bu- let's build. Here's how this goes over 75 and a half. If if you're interested in getting in on this number, um, I got Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hitting 40 home runs. Right, like it's got to be a monster year. 35, 36, 40 home runs. Has a big breakout. He's a cleanup guy. Drives in 121 runs. Uh, Guerrero has a monster year. Maybe an MVP. Uh, I got Biggio and Bichette, 20 home runs, 20 steals apiece, right? Like, if they're going to be touching 500, they're going to need at least three or four guys in that lineup having great years. Uh, I got Ryu being a stud, 30 starts, 15 wins, sub-3 ERA. And uh, and I think the best-case scenario with all of these things happening and being said, because of what the way the rotation works, I, I can't get too far down the road with the rest of that rotation. I'm not going to do that. I mean, there's no predictability there. Uh, I don't love their bridge to the ninth inning. They may have some decent seventh or eighth inning guys. But I think best case scenario, Blue Jays win 80 games with all of that happening, which is pretty significant above the 75 and a half and a 13 game improvement over last year. So that's the best case scenario, Frank. Build me your best case scenario for the Blue Jays. Yeah, I think it all starts with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. as well. He's the player who's being drafted the highest in fantasy baseball this upcoming season from the Toronto Blue Jays. So I think everything starts and ends with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, and I have number one here as all the kids progress. Kevin Biggio takes another step. Bo Bichette takes another step. But specifically, Vlad hits around 300, 35-plus home runs, uh, and winds up finishing as a top 10 AL MVP uh, you know, candidate this upcoming season in 2020. Uh, my second best case scenario here for the Toronto Blue Jays is that Nate Pearson gets called up in May and has a Chris Paddock-like rookie season where he, you know, he pitches over 100 innings for this team and you know he helps solidify that rotation because I think Ryu, as long as he's healthy, I think he's going to be solid. I think you know some of the other people, uh, projection systems as well, are a little bit um, they're out on Ryu and, and they're a little bit worried about what he's going to do in the American League East. Uh, I don't know, necessarily buy that. I think when he's on the mound, I think he's still going to be, be pretty good. Not nearly as good as we saw last year, uh, but Nate Pearson gets called up and has a you know Chris Paddock-level impact in his rookie season here for the Toronto Blue Jays. Next up, I have Ken Giles, solidifies that bullpen, saves 40-plus games this year, winds up being a top-five closer in both real life and for fantasy purposes uh, because for a while now, since Roberto Osuna, they've been searching for that closer, someone that can lock down the back end of that bullpen. I think Ken Giles can be that player. He just needs to remain healthy. I think the strikeouts are there. Uh, he's got to keep his head on uh, straight as well because it's something you talked about. It's all between the ears when it comes to Ken Giles. He has some of the uh, most filthy stuff in the league in terms of uh, being a reliever. Uh, I believe in the stuff. It's just a matter of you know keeping his head on straight. And I think, like you, best case scenario, they win 80, 85 games. And we're talking about a team heading into 2021 that can be a wild card contender I don't think that they're going to be able to compete in the American League East even heading into 2021 because the Yankees are still going to be great they're going to have Garrett Cole and I don't know maybe they'll have Giancarlo Stanton and Judge Healthy by then but the Tampa Bay Rays are perennially a good team the Boston Red Sox probably going to spend money by then as well so I don't know if they'll be able to compete for the division heading into 2021 but maybe viewed as a wild card team heading into 2021 I'm with you I think you know right around 80 85 wins would be the absolute best case scenario for Toronto this upcoming season, Craig. Yeah, and and you know the other point that you alluded to at the end for a best case scenario season for the Blue Jays is also maybe not as much to do with them as you mentioned with all the injuries to the Yankees. Maybe uh, you know Mookie Betts going to L.A. Maybe Chris Sale out for a period of time. Those are things that also could play into a best case scenario with the Blue Jays, who are going to be fighting, I would think, at least until July 31st. All right, so that's the best case scenario. Now let's play the worst case scenario here for the Jays. Um, all right, well, what if Guerrero is just too big, you know? Like, what if he's just 
you know, gets hurt. He's just a big dude. Maybe he needs to drop some weight. And maybe those numbers don't come to fruition. Maybe he's only a 22 home run guy. I mean, that's possible. And there is some concern with the conditioning for him, for sure. Um, worst case scenario, what if Travis Shaw is just done? You know, what if he's just a bust? What if he's he does nothing all season long? Maybe he only hits another 10 home runs. And then they, they got to put a Brandon Jury at first base. That's a huge downgrade from where they were last year. Um, what if their pitching two through five isn't good? And what if they get all out of the gate real slow and just decide to hold back Pearson and just kind of fill in with some of these guys that they have, like Anderson and Rowark, who none of us love? I mean, that's possible, too. Um, and, and, you know, if the pitching isn't good and it isn't markedly better than last year, then that worst-case scenario for the Jays for me, Frank, I don't think that they're that much better. Like, I could add a couple of war to Biggio. I could get uh, add a couple of war to Bichette. Maybe scratch out, you know, let's say 70 wins, you know, three more. It's probably their worst case scenario because I don't see them losing 67 again. But there's a chance that they only win like 70 games. I think that that exists also, Frank. So that's painting the worst case scenario for me with them. Yeah, I have my, my worst case scenario starts with the young kids again. And I think, you know, for, for them, one of the worst case scenarios would be two or more of these young kids, Biggio, Bichette, Lourdes Gurriel and Vladimir Guerrero wind up in the minors again this season. If they are playing minor league games again uh, as not part of a rehab assignment, which would mean that they got hurt, then something went terribly wrong for the Toronto Blue Jays this upcoming season. So if those guys wind up in the minors, uh, I think that that will uh, obviously stifle their development and their ability to win games this upcoming season. I have Ryu getting hurt, and the rest of the rotation uh, just stinks again, as always. So, you know, we don't really like Chase Anderson much, Tanner Roark, you mentioned it. Uh, I think Matt Shoemaker is a sleeper, but hasn't been able to stay healthy. Uh, same thing could be said for Ryu. Had a phenomenal year last year. There's no doubt about it. He did regress a little bit in the second half. I think that was just natural regression for Ryu uh, based on what we saw in the first half last year with the Los Angeles Dodgers. But he performed well, had a career year, wound up getting paid, uh, but he has struggled with health in the past. So that's uh, another situation that could play out this year where Ryu just winds up getting hurt again in 2020. My third situation here, Nate Pearson is rushed to the majors, does not perform well. Uh, they start his clock, and he ultimately has his confidence shattered uh, and obviously doesn't you know, look as great of a prospect as we were hoping on, you know, maybe for years to come later on in 2020 for 2021 and beyond. I think rushing him to the majors would be a bad idea. But again, if he continues to play out well throughout spring training here and, and does perform well early on in the season – in AAA with the Toronto Blue Jays. Remember, he's already made a few starts at, in AAA last year. I think right. if he performs well in the month of April, maybe May, then he would have earned a promotion to the major leagues this season. But the worst thing the Blue Jays could do is rush this kid to the majors when he's not ready, uh, and he winds up getting bombed by teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox, potentially even the Orioles, uh, and then obviously that winds up shattering his confidence for the future. And again, I think if all those things were to happen, they probably fall short of the 75 wins here that we see in the win total. 75 and a half is the number. Last year they only won 67, but uh, there's potential with the injuries, with the young kids, that if they don't progress and they actually take a step the other way, Craig, that we could be in for another long season here with the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, I mean, it, it's working for them, the division at the moment, with some of the injuries to the other team, but you're right. And uh, so much unpredictability with young players I mean, think about it. If the Blue Jays were to improve by six or seven games, which is a significant jump from last year, that's still under 
their uh, Vegas total uh, from last year or their FanDuel total even from last year. So just some things to consider when you're looking at the Toronto Blue Jays for sure. All right, uh, coming up next, what we're going to do is we're going to give you updates. We've got a couple of drafts going on. I don't think that I've ever had two slow drafts going on at the same time, Frank. You probably had like 10 going on at the same time, but for me, like two is a lot. Yeah, I have three going on right now, so. I figured. You got two, try three, Craig. <laughs> I figured, I figured. So, yeah, I'm in like round 40 of the Tout Wars draft and hold, so uh, I'm on auto pick now. I've just put them in the queue, and whatever happens, happens. And then in the Raz Bowl, I'm in like the fifth or sixth round, I think, already. So uh, we're cruising around in, uh, wow. in that league as well. Yeah, so we'll have updates on both of those leagues coming up next. And we're here till 1 o'clock Eastern. Craig and Frank, Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. Don't go away. We'll be right back with some updates on our personal drafts that are going on. Late round options as well. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Frank Stanford. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Frank here with you until 1 o'clock East. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow here at 11 o'clock with another team preview in fantasy. Updates on our draft. Hopefully no more injuries. Can we hope for that, Frank, at this point? I feel like every day that we come on the show, it's like, this guy's out. This guy's out for the year. This guy, and it's a lot of pitching, too, right? A couple of hitters, but a lot of pitching this year. Yeah, and this is why we see pitching go up the board and why it's as valuable as it is. Guys like DeGrom and Garrett Cole, knock on wood, have you know managed to stay healthy the past couple of seasons. We're still waiting for Justin Verlander to return. No one's talking about that. The guy's dealing with a groin injury at you know close to 40 years old. So how healthy is Justin Verlander right now? You know, Max Scherzer is someone we were worried about with back and neck uh, issues last year. Yeah. He's you know maybe even the healthiest of the bunch so far. So uh, hopefully, cross your fingers, those guys manage to stay healthy, but. We've already lost a ton. Chris Sale, Blake Snell, Luis Severino, Clevenger sliding down draft boards. Uh, and as a result, we're going to see names like Chris Paddock, Charlie Morton, Noah Syndergaard, Zach Granke. These guys are going to start to move up the board into the third uh, and fourth rounds potentially as well once we see those main events start firing up for the NFBC, Craig. Yep, and uh, just to kind of go over where we are here, uh, I'll start with the um – the Raz Bowl here, and uh, I'm up now on the clock, actually, so we can make a pick here live on the air if you like. Um, sorry, Ooh, I have live to lean pick? over. Let's here. go. Yeah, got to lean over here a little bit. Sorry to access the computer. <laughs> while we're um, okay, so with um, the first pick in the Raz Bowl, I took Jacob DeGrom. My second pick, I took Trey Turner. My third pick, I took uh, Xander Bogarts, so I moved him to middle infield. Uh, fourth pick was Manny Machado. Got him everywhere, obviously, at this point. Uh, fifth pick was Jonathan VR. I put him at second, and he'll qualify at outfield at some point. And then uh, Zach Renke uh, is my second pitcher. So, Frank, I'm in need of a first baseman, corner infielder, and, f wow, five outfielders. Yeah. Don't I have to tack outfield at this point? I mean, do I, how, how far in this draft can I go without? Yeah, you probably you should. Field five. Yeah. 
All right, so here what, are the guys uh, what on What do you have available the there? What do you have available at first and outfield? All right, uh, Soler, Mancini, Eddie Rosario, uh, McNeil, uh, Nick Castellanos, Conforto, Kepler. Any of those names? Interesting. Danny Santana is there. I'm not taking Danny Santana. Yeah, Jorge Soler is a name that stands out to me. I don't think he's going to approach the uh, near 50 home runs that he hit last year, Craig, but you know, 35-plus, I think that's within the yeah. range of possibilities for uh, Jorge Soler. And you don't get penalized for strikeouts in this format. The Raz Bowl is a best ball scoring format where uh, it's kind of an interesting scoring system, but uh, home runs are really rewarded well here. So I think Jorge Soler uh, is a name that stands out for me there. But Eddie Rosario is a pretty safe option as well, I think, in this range. All right. Uh, actually, I'm not on the board. I thought I was on the board, so I still have another 15 picks towards me, but I put Solaire <laughs> in the queue. I put him in the queue, if that makes you feel any better. Oh, it makes me feel great, Craig. Any good first baseman left? What do you got going on over there? Uh, okay, first base, Mancini qualifies at first. Uh, Jose Abreu, Carlos Santana, oh, Guriel, Bell. Jose Abreu's ADP, 80, uh, Jose Abreu's the name there, Craig. Well, look, we got like 15 picks to me. So yeah. if it gets back to me, fine. All right, so where are you at in your uh, in your Razzball? It says I'm on deck here. Oh, no, this is the other draft, the uh, draft and hold. Oh, boy, the names in this one are just <laughs> disgusting. But go ahead. Give me, oh, give yeah. me your I can imagine uh, give me the 40th first. round, you're going to – Yeah. Yeah, there's not much playing out well in the 40th round because I am in a draft champions draft, which is currently in the 37th round, so I feel your pain. There's not really much uh, – much going on there. All right, so I am in the fourth round of my Raz Bowl right now. Uh, I was pick four, and so far oh. I have Cody Bellinger, Shane Bieber, and Starling Marte. So I have a player that I can use in fir first base in outfield and Cody Bellinger, so I have some versatility there. I have my my ace, my workhorse with Shane Bieber, and then I have Starling Marte. One thing that I've noticed is that pitching is actually devalued a little bit in this league. Sorry to tell you now after you took Jacob deGrom, uh, but I've seen a lot of people talking about this on Twitter that uh, the hitters, the um, the elite hitters are actually more valuable than the elite pitchers in this format. So normally if I have a roto draft, if I have pick four or five, I would be taking deGrom or a Garrett Cole, uh, but because of the scoring format, I wound up going with, going with Cody Bellinger, uh, and then I got Starling Marte in the third round as well. So uh, I'm looking at second base here. I know it's a position that dries up rather quickly. A few outfielders that I like as well here uh, in the fourth round. But uh, just in case anyone's listening or watching, can't give away those names, obviously, Craig. Come on. Why not? Give them away. All right. Uh, uh, let's see what. Are you sure? All right. Yeah. Let's see what I got here. All right. So uh, we're in the 41st round of the draft and hold. So we're almost done. Right? Sort of? Like nine rounds? You think we'll get through this by the week? Maybe. I'm on, <laughs> I'm on autopilot at this point. Uh, I, yeah, I, maybe I just, by Sunday. I got a cue. Okay. Uh, so, uh, let's see. Where did we leave you last? I don't even know what we talked about. Uh, 32nd round, I took Luis Patino. Uh, 31st round, I took Brandon Crawford. 33rd round, David Bodie. 34th round, Chad Pinder. 35th round, Jason Kipnis. Uh, let's see here. I'm running out of real estate. Uh, Carl Edwards Jr. in the 36th. 37th, Alex Young, pitcher on Arizona. Needed some starters, I guess. Uh, 38th round, I took uh, Monte Harrison of the Marlins. 39th round, I took Yuzdiel Diaz 
of the Orioles. And then in the 40th round, I took Edward Cabrera of the Marlins. So I didn't take any Marlins in this whole draft, but I figured at the end, I kind of know their depth chart better than any other team. So like, let me take a couple of guys who I think at the end may uh, may hit for me. But I think I'm going to have to grab some extra starters here. How many starters should I have in, in, this, uh, in this draft and hold out of the 50 rounds? You should wind up with 20 to 22 pitchers total. So... Okay. I don't know. You speculate on, let's say, you wound up with, like, three or four closers. Maybe you grab, like, two or three more speculative closers. So that'll put you at, you know, seven, eight. So I think the rest should be starting pitchers. So anywhere from, like, 12 to 14 starting pitchers, I think that that's a good okay. amount. I'm at 18 pitchers right now with 10 rounds to go. 18. All right, yeah, that's not bad. It's a pretty good ratio. So, yeah, maybe grab, like, two two or three more, and I think you'll be good there. Obviously, cover yourself with the outfield. Try and have at least, you know, ten outfielders because you got to fill five outfielder positions. Right. Uh, obviously, you wound up taking Monty Harrison. So uh, that was a homer pick because you had to get your yeah, Marlins sure. in there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but, uh, I, at the end, I'm going to take those uh, guys. Like yeah, some of those. You might as well. I mean, that's a team that you know better than any other, right? So I actually agree. I think it makes a lot of sense. Yuzniel Diaz is a name that I've been grabbing in a lot of these draft champions uh, leagues because, you know, he came over in the Manny Machado trade and should have an opportunity at some point, right, with the Baltimore Orioles that with a, a corner outfield position. So it's going to be so. interesting to see. Some of the young kids are, are coming soon for the Orioles with Yuzniel Diaz and Ryan Mountcastle. Uh, obviously, Austin Hayes is a name that I've been uh, drafting in a few places as well. So uh, we'll see what the young kids could do for the Orioles this season obviously really good ballpark to hit in so I do have some interest in some of those young guys yeah and uh, I'll tell you who I have in my queue for the next like five or six picks Uh, I've got Jason Martin of Pittsburgh um, Darren Ruff of San Francisco I don't know if you know this story but he went to the KBO for a few years and now he's back as a non-roster non-roster invitee I mean maybe Darren Ruff makes the Giants you know like maybe he's their fourth outfielder or fifth outfielder so who knows um, Khalil Lee, I don't know if, if you're familiar with him, Frank, you probably are, uh, of the uh, Kansas City Royals, fastest guy in the minor leagues, like 80 yep. steal potential. If they trade a couple of those guys, maybe he's got a shot to play, maybe he gets called up. I, um, Yamaguchi, who we talked about on Toronto, I've got him in there. And then Evan Phillips, who I think has a chance to close for Baltimore. But I, I think I still may need to add a couple of starting pitchers. I'll give you an idea. What, by the way, um, we are in the 40th round, so we're looking at like, uh, 500 players that are off the board here, 600. What's up with Merrill Kelly? He hasn't been taken. Is there is, is there a reason for that? No, that seems like that seems like a blunder there because in the 600th uh, draft champions that I am currently, yeah, I mean he went in the 29th round of the draft champions league that I'm in okay. right now. So if he's available for you uh, in the 40th or 41st, then that seems like uh, an omission by everyone else. Yeah, um, Gonsolin is still available. He's the other highest pitcher, I guess. On interesting the board. name. Interesting name. Yeah. Perf- um, Mike performing Leak. well in the in in spring training. Obviously, a lot of names with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, Leak has the uh, the broken He's wrist, hurt. but yeah. he should be good to start to the season. It's not to to his pitching arm, but uh, between Leak and Mer- Merrill Kelly, you know, one of those guys is going to be the fifth starter sure. for the Diamondbacks because our guy Zach Gallon's obviously going to be in the rotation, Craig. No doubt. No doubt. All right, you want to uh, give me yours here real quick? Anybody, anyone want to touch on your draft? 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, I got this draft champions league going on right now, and something that I've been doing in a few drafts here, Craig. And uh, let me know if this makes sense to you. I've been taking Dar- Dylan Carlson in like that round twenty twenty one range, sure. and I've been pairing him a little bit later on with Brett Gardner. Right, so I think this makes a lot of sense because if you don't expect Dylan Carlson early in the season, uh, but with all the injuries to the Yankees, we we should expect that bats for Brett Gardner at least in the first month regular playing time with Stanton banged up and with Aaron Judge banged up. Uh, he's slated to play center field every day for the New York Yankees here. So Dylan Carlson, maybe we don't see him until May, maybe June, and I guess there's still a possibility that he cracks the opening day roster. I'm not ruling that out, but uh, I think they want that extra year of uh, of control. Yeah. No doubt about for that. the yeah. St. Louis Cardinals. So maybe we see him, you know, the mid to late April. Uh, I've been pairing him with Brett Gardner. Is that a strategy that makes sense to you? Because we do expect the playing time to be there for Brett Gardner early on in the season. Yeah, or, or the other one, too, would be Lane Thomas right on his team. You know, like maybe Lane Thomas is the opening day starting left fielder yeah. for the Cardinals for three weeks. Um, Austin Dean, maybe Austin Dean is the starting outfielder for the Cardinals for three weeks. And then it's it's Carlson. I, I think that we probably believe May or June he's coming up for sure, but you're a, a million percent right. The only thing that that would change, Frank, is that every year the Cardinals do one of these spring training extensions. I'm sure you noticed this in the past. Last year was Jose Martinez. They did Grichik. They did Piscotti. They did Aledmus Diaz. They always do an extension in the spring. What if it was buying out Carlson to get him in the big league to start? beginning of the season if that was the case we'd see him on opening day for sure all right we'll uh, come back and wrap up I'll the show <laughs> with some mid to late round category contributors right here on sports grid on fantasy sports today don't go away dailyrodo.com learn from the game's best dfs players we don't just give you premier advice we play every day All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Frank Stanford. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Frank here with you until 1 o'clock on the East. And then we will say so long for the day. Be back tomorrow at 11 o'clock Eastern. Uh, I'll be live at the Marlins-Orioles game in spring training. And so uh, as of right now, we have uh, scheduled spring training interviews, appearances from different players uh, tomorrow, March the 4th. And then one week from tomorrow on March the 11th, which will be the Marlins and Yankees. And of course, as much as I can possibly be at the ballpark, in addition to doing these shows and everything else that I'm doing, I certainly will be there. Uh, Before we get into some of the late round uh, or mid round kind of options and potential sleepers, Frank, for you, uh, you know, the interesting part about what's happening in spring is you can actually go to the different websites now and you can uh, see stats, right? Like there's some like what we would call sortable stats for spring training. And that's always fun during the regular season. After you get through like the first week, you can really see who's doing what. But for spring, it's really interesting to me to see some of these stats. We brought up Aquino, if you missed it earlier in the show, 0 for 14. You brought up Travis Shaw, 1 for 11. Um, You know, the data in spring is so hard to quantify, but it's fun to at least have it, right? Like to be able to have it tangible. Yeah, it's awesome here, Craig. And uh, I mentioned a name, Orlando Arcia, who's off to a hot start. Can you name who is leading spring training in home runs as of now, uh, Craig? Is it Paul DeYoung? 
Uh, it is not Paul DeYoung. He is tied for second with three home runs. It is Cody Thomas of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Ooh. What can you tell us about Cody Thomas, Craig? I can <laughs> exactly. Google and tell you anything <laughs> you want. Who? If, if I, can, I can get on a quick Google. Yeah, he's 25 years old. He's a left-handed batter. <laughs> That's okay. all I've got. All right. Pretty much, yeah. All right. Uh, so let, let's talk about some of the late-round uh, contributions for some players. And it's interesting. Uh, I know that you compiled a few names that we could potentially draft. It feels like you got like a good mix of older players and younger players. One of them in particular, I think, is an intriguing name because nobody really knows what he wants to do in the future, and that's Shinsu Chu. Uh, Chu, you know every year, Frank, when he's healthy, he's going to score close to 100 runs. He's got a good OBP. He's going to hit 20 home runs. Uh, There's a contract year for him. Uh, Chu has played now in the big leagues. It's been like 10 years since he's been up, of course, with Texas and now with the Cleveland uh, Cleveland and then Texas, Texas then Cleveland, however that worked out. I think Cleveland now. Um, what do, you, what do you make of Chu this year? Do you think another solid year? Do you think he comes back and plays again in 2020-21, or is this it? Well, either way, I hope he performs well in 2020 because I already have a few shares of Sin Chu Chu. Uh, actually, on my great fantasy baseball invitational team, I didn't plan this. I wound up with three Texas Rangers. So uh, I hope that new ballpark is favorable for hitters because I wound up with Shin Su Chu, Willie Calhoun, and Rugnet Odor. So hopefully that works out. But uh, yeah, I think Shin Su Chu, as long as he performs well again this year, and he shows no signs of slowing down. I think he will be back in 2021. Uh, and specifically today, yesterday we spoke about mid to late round contributors in batting average. Today I wanted to talk about players who can help you in the runs category specifically. Shin Su Chu, each of the past three seasons has given you 83 plus run scores just last year at the ripe age of you know 37 years old gave you 93 runs scored for the Texas Rangers still has one of the best eyes at the plate he's going to give you you know a near 37% on base percentage there Craig uh, so I think Shinsu Chu likely remains atop that lineup again given his plate discipline, given the eye. Uh, and with that lineup, they've got a lot of big boppers in there. Joey Gallo, Willie Calhoun, Rugnet Odor. Uh, I think that he's probably at least going to give you 80-plus runs once again. And you're getting this guy in, what, the 16th, 17th, 18th yeah. round of 15-team leagues. So, you know, as a fourth or fifth outfielder, I have no problem whatsoever with Sinshu Chu, Craig. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, years ago he was a big base dealer too. Not so much anymore, but he's certainly in line to get some playing time there. There's no doubt. There's some uncertainty for sure uh, on their team, whether it's DH or outfield. Uh, another uh, player that is interesting to me, Brandon Nimbo of the New York Mets. Uh, this was a pick I remember doing uh, a previous show where, Frank, uh, I, I think I threw out Nimbo. He was one, like, in my past Tout Wars uh, auctions, there have been two players that I've thrown out numbers for and I've gotten the crickets. You know, it's like the worst feeling when you do that because it just basically meant you bet you bid too high. <laughs> and it worked. And it worked out both times. Right. Uh, two two years ago, I think it was two years ago. Yeah, it was two years ago. Uh, Johan Camargo at five. Everyone looked at me like I was crazy. Camargo had a great year two years ago. It was really good. Uh, and then Brandon Nimmo. I believe I had. I said seven or something like that. Nobody said anything. Nimmo also had a great year. Boy, Nimmo was a really fascinating guy to me because. His on-base percentage is fantastic. He scores a lot of runs, but he's had all kinds of injury history now, Frank, that I'm a little concerned with him. If you were to tell me that Nimbo was just going to play 120 games, I'm all in again on him. I just I don't know that I could say that. 
Yeah, and I think other people are scared for that reason as well, Craig. And you're getting Brandon in Nimmo as a, as a discount right now. as a fifth outfielder, maybe even a reserve outfielder. That's how late Brandon Nimmo is going. And you mentioned the on-base percentage, especially if you play in an OBP format or in a points league. Uh, this is somebody who has a 15% or higher walk rate in three straight seasons. His OBP has been 375 or higher in three straight seasons. He scored 77 runs in 140 games back in 2000. And 18. So I think as long as he's healthy, he's likely going to be the leadoff man, be hit near the top of that lineup for the New York Mets. And again, if you're trying to find that those runs scored later on in drafts, I think Brandon Nimmo is a good contributor there. I'll throw out his crosstown rival, Brett Gardner, someone who I mentioned in the previous segment. As long as Aaron Hicks is out, not expected back until around July, maybe even August later on in the season, I think Brandon... Uh, Brett Gardner is going to play center field and likely bat near the top of the lineup once again for the New York Yankees. And if that's the case, uh, Craig, then you're looking at, what, 80 runs for someone that you're getting as a fifth or a reserve outfielder here with the New York Yankees. So I just want cheap exposure to that lineup, and I think Brett Gardner is a good way to get that done, Craig. Yeah, yeah. And and look, uh, Gardner still is playing at a pretty high level. And we you know, talk about counting numbers, counting stats with the injuries to the Yankees. You got to feel good about him. You got to feel good about Andujar at this point. You got to feel good about Talkman, Ursula. I think they're all going to have a chance to play, at least in the early part of the season. Whoever emerges from that will get a chance to play in the later part of the season. Uh, last one to talk about I know that you wanted to bring up Shed Long of the Seattle Mariners, who's given an opportunity to play every day, but there's some risk here for sure, Frank, because D. Gordon is right there. And if I, I know that they're, they're going to work through growing pains with Long, I, I would assume that since they're basically going to give him the start on opening day, that he would really have to massively struggle to not play the entire season. That's at least the way that I'm reading into this. But if he does, the, you know, Seattle does have a backup option there, which makes me a little have a little trepidation on him. Yeah, you're just getting him for so cheap, you know, Craig. If you play in one of these deeper formats, you're getting him as a as a bench bat, someone you could plug into your middle infield potentially. And last year in 42 games with the Mariners, uh, wound up with five home runs and three stolen bases. So has a little bit of a power-speed combination. Projected to hit leadoff for the Seattle Mariners right now. Uh, and he did score 21 runs in those 42 games. So you times that by four, all right, yeah, 42, 162 games. Uh, he was on pace for over 80 runs last season with the Seattle Mariners. So just someone you're getting incredible. Late. I understand D. Gordon's there, but if he performs right. well on the off chance he does, maybe you have a, a late round steal with some power, speed, and obviously the run scored uh, category there as well when it comes to shed long with the Seattle Mariners, Craig. All right, and let's close it out. Give me some uh, options to help your ERA, even if the innings aren't at 200. Look, you're getting 80 to 100 innings from, from someone in a 15-team league that you're going to stash right at the end as your RP3 or RP4. That could really help you. Yeah, Lance Cullors is a name that made his debut over the weekend, obviously coming back for the Houston Astros. I think he's going to pitch well when he's on the mound, but I think they're going to be really cautious with Lance McCullers this upcoming season. I haven't drafted him yet, but I think he's someone that can help your ERA, you know, potentially in the mid-three somewhere, but is he going to give you much more than 120, 130 innings pitched this year? I would be skeptical of that, and I think you could say the same thing for someone like Alex Wood of the Los Angeles Dodgers. I just drafted him as my sixth starting pitcher in the great fantasy baseball invitational. 
Marshall in round uh, in round 21 here. So, uh, you know, I like him. Uh, the velocity is up so far in, in spring. He's going to give you strikeouts, and I think he's going to give you a good ERA whenever he's on the mound. But, again, the Dodgers have so much depth from Dustin May. I understand he's dealing with an injury right now. Jimmy Nelson, Gonsolin is a name that we've mentioned, Ross Tripling, uh, where if – you know, Alex Wood gets hurt at some point, or they kind of just want to skip him through the rotation a few times. They have the luxury to do that. But I do think when he's on the mound, Alex Wood will pitch uh, very well this upcoming season for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Three relievers to pay attention to that can help you in ERA if you want to stream them throughout the course of the season because, you know, your back-end starting pitchers aren't as good and you just want to get a few innings out of these guys, uh, help your ratios, give you a few strikeouts. Will Harris with the Washington Nationals, Emilio Pagan going over from the Tampa Bay Rays to the San Diego Padres, showed what he had last year, has incredible stuff. And then Aaron Bummer is a name that I brought up before as a sleeper. I think potentially even a closing candidate for the White Sox should Alex Colomay struggle. Uh, I think those are three relievers you can look at to help your ERA this upcoming season, well, hope so, because Bummer is on one of my teams in 2020. All right, before we get out of here, as always, we will end the show with some deep thoughts, which we like to call Exit Velocity. Exit Velocity. Nice Velocity. All right, we'll end the show with a little discussion about injuries and how to handle injuries if you are a Major League Baseball team. Now, I'm no expert on the subject, but doesn't it seem to me that through the years, the Boston Red Sox have always kind of left us a little bit in the dark as to what's going on? Now, I will say this. I get it. During the regular season, you don't want to give any Major League Baseball team any advantage whatsoever in any game. And we're seeing that all over the place. We've seen it in the past. We'll see it in the future. But it's spring training. So if Chris Sale is really hurt, why not just tell us that Chris Sale is really hurt? Well, the answer to that, unfortunately, is baseball is a business. And if you're going to tell your season ticket base that Chris Sale doesn't have the flu and does have an injury, is it more likely or less likely for season tickets in Boston to go up or down? Is it more likely for there to be optimism going up or down? And I think, unfortunately, that's probably the situation that we dealt with with Chris Sale. Hold out as long as possible. Hope he's healthy, but if not, let's delay this thing to not derail the Red Sox season in the fans' perspective. That'll do it for the show. Thanks again to Chris Pavone, our producer. Frank Stample, I'm Craig Mish. That's it for Fantasy Sports Today on SportsGrid. Talk to you tomorrow at 11 Eastern. Have a great day, everybody. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.